I'm always praying for each one here on Zoom and on Facebook. A lot, a lot's been happening by God's grace. Something I want to share with each person here. Uh, it's so important that our message is not altered by the pandemic or, or, or the things that are happening in the world. Uh, our message from the Holy Spirit. And, and the most important thing for us here is to understand what the Holy Spirit is interested with. You know something that I share with each one here? Every day, I'm, I'm looking for God um, to see what attracts him to me. Have you ever thought about this? every person that's listening here, what attracts God to you? I'm always reading the Bible in this way. And from, from reading the word of God and discovering the deepest things of God, I know he's interested in the depths of my heart. It's so important that everyone, when they read the word of God, they can begin to think what allows or what draws God nearer to me or what allows him to look at me. The most important thing I share with you is to understand this, that there are things that attracts God to come into your life. Would you like to know what it is? How many people are seeking God? How many people every day are going through the motion or going through the process of feeding on his word, praying, and not not seeing the right results. If I can say this humbly, the majority of the body is operating like this. And I don't say this to condemn or to look down on anyone or to lift myself up higher than anyone. I say this humbly. Because <clears throat> what the Holy Spirit's been showing me, it's all got to do with the heart and believe me when I started to fast and pray when I started to really move everything out of my way to know the Lord Jesus Christ I can't tell you the things that began to surface or the begin the things that began to get exposed for many for many I believe they are yet to discover this. And I want to show you the greatest key of understanding the secrets of the Bible. You know, the word of God is a secret. The Bible says it's for the glory of God to conceal a matter and it's for kings to search it out. It's true. So what attracts God to you? Have you ever asked yourself that? Can you please write something in the box?
to see what do you think attracts God to you? <laughs> just, just a word or a sentence. You know something? It's good. <clears throat> you can keep going <coughs> for all the people on Facebook um, that are watching also. Ask yourself, if I was to read the Bible, what attracts God to me? Does God show himself to everyone in the way that he does? Is it? Is that true? Does God show himself to everyone in the way that he says? There are conditions. There are conditions. There are ways. There are principles. There are truths that activate you from entering into this place. <clears throat> I speak to I speak to a lot of people every week. Humility. It's good. I speak to a lot of people every week. And most of the time I have to uh, bite my tongue. Meaning, I can't tell them what they're going to go through. I can't tell them how the process takes place in their heart. If there is one thing that I'm interested with, is to understand God. Right? How many people here read the Word of God to get an understanding? understanding of who God is? How many people? How many people here read the word of God to get an understanding of who he is? I believe we all read the word of God in this way, right? But I believe a few people lack the understanding of the process. If there was one thing that we are good at doing, speaking the blessings of God. <laughs> it's true. How many people know the blessings of God? How many? When I sit with people, I hear them. So many people, they tell me about all the blessings of God. And, and, and that's a beautiful thing. But few speak to me about the process. Have you ever asked yourself, what's the process of God? How does God get into me in the way that he makes me grow? What's the process? So many people, they tell me, they tell me, okay, Jesus died for me on the cross. Amen. That's our foundation on what we stand on. But I really believe the believers don't excel further in this way. And today I'm going to share you treasures, treasures from the Holy Spirit that's going to bless your heart, but also prepare you. If there is, if there is one way I've understood how the Holy Spirit teaches, uh, preparation. I really believe 
so many believers cannot stand the test because of preparation. They don't understand how God gets into things that need to be uprooted or need to be exposed. So let's have a look. You ready for treasures? <clears throat> so many people tell me, you know, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you? Continuously, how does the Holy Spirit speak to you in regards to the Word of God? To be honest, when you read the Word of God, to love God and to obey Him, He teaches you. When you read the Word of God, to be someone or to do something for Him, I find a barrier is put. So today, I'm going to share with you, you know, I've been speaking about the harlot. The Holy Spirit's taking me a different direction, but it regards this same message about the wisdom that comes from above and the wisdom that comes from beneath. And today, I'm going to share with you uh, two treasures that will actually change your journey with the Lord. It will change the way you look at him. I was speaking to someone yesterday, a brother in the Lord, and I said, if there is one thing uh, that we get caught up in, in our minds, is we build a mindset of how God's going to operate in our lives. We build a mindset of how Jesus is going to do things in our life. So when we pray, we're going to get this breakthrough. When we believe for this, this thing will come. And to be honest, I said it many weeks ago, I don't glory in the blessing. I glory in the process. Because in the process, I become like Christ. My character, my attributes, and my heart has become more like God. And that's what I'm interested with. Because when these things are here, whatever comes into your hands, it's there to stay. Amen? How many people want the Holy Spirit to stay in their lives? Where it's like a river that's, that's getting momentum every day getting momentum every day where you stand in the current and you can't even hold yourself anymore for the spirit to direct you. Momentum. I'm after momentum where you're in that rampage river of the Holy Spirit and you're going to places where you never thought spiritually you can enter. This is what I'm interested in now to be taken to places where I've never seen in the spiritual. A lot of people tell me, okay, how? What do I have to do differently? How can I understand God differently? Or how can I understand God more better? If I can say it like that. And let me show you how the Holy Spirit teaches me. So if there's anything that I want you to get from this, is for you to know that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. 
and there is something that I'm going to speak about um, that's going to explain this message of how you can understand him. Because believe me, when you can understand him, you can cooperate with him. Okay, so let's go. This is an open discussion or a conversation. I'm speaking my heart to you. It's a fellowship. Because I really believe each person here that's watching, they are hungry for God. And they want to know him. So let's go. <coughs> so I'd like to ask you the question again. Um, from from for the people that have read the book of Proverbs, if there's something that stands out the most, it can be a character, or it can be a gift, or it can be a tribute of God. What would it be? For the people that are listening here, for the people who have read the book of Proverbs, if there is something that stands out from the book of Proverbs, in one word, what do you think it is? Wisdom, wisdom. It's good. Sonia said wisdom. Who else said wisdom? Who else said wisdom? Put your hands up. Wisdom, fear of the Lord. Who said wisdom? Three people, four. That's good. Yeah, so wisdom wisdom is the answer. I want to ask you the question for the ones who answered it. How does wisdom operate? So, so many people, they tell me that go after wisdom. James tells you, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. It gives without full finding or measure, and it'll be given to you. It's all over the Bible. I really believe, and it's this is not a message to say that I got a revelation that you don't have. This is a message to show you how to prepare yourself for Him. Because if I want the eyes of the Lord to be upon me every day, it's true I do. All that praying, all that reading. I want to please the one who enlisted me. I want to be, I want to be in the way where God is continually fellowshipping with me, where there is no more voids in my heart. There's no more places of emptiness or loneliness or confusion or fear. I want to be in a place where I'm satisfied every day. And it's true. You can enter this place. No matter what you're going through, God can speak in every season. If you let him and if you want it. So <clears throat> let's 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 go to Proverbs chapter nine. I'll share some uh, spiritual treasures with you. Wisdom chapter, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter nine, <laughs> verse one. <laughs> I said, I said, wisdom chapter nine. It is wisdom. <laughs> so Proverbs nine, uh, verse one. It said, "Wisdom has built her house." I'm reading the scripture for you. Wisdom has built her house. 
she has hewn out her seven pillars. Now I'm going to explain what that means for every person that's listening. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has also sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city. Amen. I'm going to stop there. So for every person here, you read that and you think, okay, what does that mean for us in the New Testament? Because we are believers of the New Testament, of the New Covenant. What does that mean for us? Would you like to see a spiritual treasure? Okay, let me keep going. So the word, <clears throat> the word hoon out, it says here, wisdom has built her house. She has hoon out her seven pillars. The word hoon out is from the Strong's, from the Hebrews, 2672. And the word is chatsab in the Hebrew. For the people who got Esau or the Strong Concordance, I'm just giving you the concordance so you can come along with me along this teaching. And don't get me wrong. I don't want everyone to get into that place when they're starting to search every single word and they're trying to force a truth or they're trying to force a pill or they're trying to force a wisdom. This is given in the way of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit doesn't show me anything, I continue to worship Him, continue to pray, continue to do my normal duties with the Lord. But when He's trying to speak to me about spiritual understanding or deep wisdom, I pay attention. <clears throat> and thank God that we're all getting blessed by this. Now, the word out means to carve. Okay? It means to carve. It means to cut wood, stone, and other material. Now, it's, these principles are mentioned all out, all out through the Bible. It means to split. It means to engrave. It means to dig. It means to divide and to make. So you begin to see the picture that when the wisdom of God comes upon your life, it begins to separate you from what? What is he trying to separate you from? I spoke about the spiritual harlot. She also has a wisdom. So the spiritual harlot, note it, now. the spiritual harlot, just like Jesus calls us the bride, she, she mimics herself as a, as a prostitute where she wants to hire people's hearts. You know what, what I mean to hire? Because she didn't he didn't create us. So when he enters our, our hearts, he can only hire us because our vessels are of God. We were created in the image of God. So the devil, he wants to hire our hearts higher our minds, higher our bodies. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when you understand this, you start to see, well, when you started to see how she operates, how she, you know how it says wisdom? She has hoon out, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a metaphor, like she. Wisdom is a sheep. He's, he's speaking to how she actually operates. He says here, wisdom, he says here, she has also furnished her table. 
So wisdom is meant to furnish your heart, but it's to fight against something else. I really believe many people are operating in this way. Why? Because I really believe that, I, I wouldn't say, I'll probably say it like this, a lack of discernment or a lack to examine your heart. And when I explain it, you'll see. You'll see it very carefully. So let's have a look here. In James, in James, it tells you that anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask God without fault finding or measure he will give. Can I ask you a question for everyone that's listening? What do you think God allowed you to ask for this wisdom? This is pretty much the only prayer in the New Testament where God will give it to you. He said it is, it is his father's will to give you the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean everyone receives it. It doesn't mean everyone operates in it. But this prayer here, he's saying he'll give it to every person who asks. Why? Why do you think he said anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives without fault finding or measure? Without reapproach, says here, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. Why do you think it's the only prayer God insists that you pray? I'm going to challenge the body. So you look at all the prayers. Paul tells you, um, oh, I'll read it for you. Where is it? In Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So he gives it away here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 to 3. Why does he insist that you pray for wisdom? I'll answer the question to you. I'll answer what I've been saying to you. Do you know why he tells you to pray this prayer? Amen. So you know why he tells us to pray this prayer because it's the only prayer that allows you to become like Christ. It allows you to become exactly like him in character and attributes. You become like him in your heart. So when he said, he didn't mean have wisdom to get out of your problems or have wisdom to get out of your situation. He's saying here that when you pray for wisdom, 
I'll give it to you right away because this prayer is for you to change and be like him. When you change and be like him, believe me, what problem do you have? What struggle do you have? What challenge do you have? Ask yourself this. When your heart becomes like Christ, full of love, full of truth, full of obedience, full of self-control, believe me, what situation are you asking to get out of? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wisdom allows you to be like Christ. It's got nothing to do with blessings. It's got nothing to do with fulfilling something that you need. Wisdom allows you to be like your master. The Bible says you ought to live as Jesus lived. And when you pray this wisdom, you're becoming like your master. So this is a challenge. When I started to understand this, I started to think deeply. I started to think deeply. Okay. I understand, Lord, what this wisdom produces. But how do you do it? How does it begin to operate in my life? Some scriptures here will, um, will allow you to say, well, I, I never felt like this. But you begin to rejoice. Because you know his loving hand is upon you. Wisdom is the character and the attributes of God himself. What does the Bible say? God is love. That's one of his attributes. He is love. And whoever abides in God must abide in love. That's one of his characteristics. It's love. And he's saying here in wisdom that when you pray for this wisdom, you'll become like him. You'll operate like him. You'll live like him. You'll think like him. Are you praying for comfort anymore? Are you praying for peace anymore? Are you praying for anything? that's outside of, of his will anymore, in this place, you'll be satisfied. How many people here are searching for rest? How many people here are searching for love? How many people here are searching for comfort? How many people here are searching for direction? I started to understand that when I read the word of God, I have to become like him. And it's the only prayer that allows you to be like him. So many people think that this scripture is to allow you to deal with situations or problems. No, it's deeper than that. It's allow you to be like your creator, Jesus Christ.
Let's keep going. It gets deeper. So let's look at the first treasure. Please, everyone, pay attention. I'll show you inscripted treasure from Proverbs to Matthew. <clears throat> and I'm so happy that I'm able to share it with each one today. But I also give all the glory to the Lord Jesus Christ for sharing it with me. My identity is not in revelations. My identity is fellowshiping with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So it says here, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. Now there is a treasure here from the book of Matthew. Let's go to it. I'll show you who wisdom is in the book of Matthew. Ready? It says here, wisdom has built her house from Proverbs 9. She has hewn out her seven pillars and she cries out from the highest place in the city. How does that sound in the New Testament today? Let's have a look. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, for anyone who wants to write it down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. I'll show you how the Holy Spirit teaches. Be encouraged because you can also operate in this place. So it says here, wisdom has built a house. Who is wisdom in the New Testament? Let's have a look at it. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, quickly. But to those called by God to salvation, both the Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. What does that mean? It means that everything that he spoke is the wisdom of God. That's what it means. So every time Jesus spoke, he is the wisdom of God from heaven. Now look what it says here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. Look what it says here in Proverbs. And she cries from the highest places in the city. Now look here, very carefully. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. That word seated, it's amazing. That word seated there is to be founded on God's wisdom. Is to build you a foundation. His disciples came to him. Okay? She cries out from the highest places in the city. Where Jesus spoke this, he spoke it outside the city, on the high mountains, teaching them how to operate in the wisdom of God. It's amazing, right? Now, what, what's, what's more amazing, and I'll share it with you. It says, wisdom has built her house. He's showing you how to build your spiritual house inside your heart. Then it says here, she has hewn out her seven pillars and she, and she cries out from the highest places. Remember, hewn out means to be carved in the image of God. Remember? To be carved. To be carved in Jesus' image. To be like your master. To be like him, operating in him. And then it says, she has hewn out her seven pillars. Now, let's look at the, the Beatitudes very quickly. Number one, number one, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall, fe- shall, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Number four, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Number five, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Seven pillars. You begin to see. Then it says here, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you see here, it's saying here in the New Testament that Jesus is the wisdom of God and now he's teaching you further how to know him and how to operate in him. Seven pillars of wisdom. Isn't that amazing? Can you see the connection now? It says here, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain and when his disciples And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. You know what that means? When anyone comes to Jesus when he's teaching, he's showing us that we have to come to this level. He's showing us that we have to operate from this place of wisdom. For we are now seated in what? In heavenly places. It means now that we are operating in a heavenly wisdom. We don't operate in the way of the world anymore. You begin to see the seven principles here are the seven pillars that is speaking about building wisdom. But it doesn't stop there. It goes deeper. And let me share with you. Now, this is interesting. I really believe that there is a major doorway here for you to operate the kingdom of heaven. Now, the Holy Spirit showed me here that he began with the kingdom of heaven and he ended with the kingdom of heaven. Now, look at it here. It said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, look towards the end. He says here, blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He started and he ended with the kingdom of heaven. You know what that's showing you? It's showing you that the doorway for you to enter the kingdom of heaven is for you to be poor in spirit. And it shows you, ready? Look at the end result. It shows you the end result of you operating in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It shows you that after you've operated in the way of being poor in the spirit, all the rest of the attributes are clicked together and they are molded together, righteousness is produced where you live like your master. You become like him. But look at the doorway for you to enter. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He shows you the doorway to enter the kingdom. He shows you what what his meaning here of how to operate and to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, the Holy Spirit said to me that the, the greatest beatitude is the first one, the blessed are the poor in spirit. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He started to show me why. Why this is the most important one. And I ask you this question. Why do you think that the first beatitude is the greatest amongst all of them? If you don't know, you don't have to write. But if you think you want to have a go at it, you can uh, type it away for you. Why do you think you may think something else? Why do you think blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven? Do you hear Jesus teaching from all the Gospels? How many times did he give analogies about the kingdom? Read it. Everything is about the kingdom. Right? goes through all the Gospels. When he's teaching, all his teachings out of the kingdom. So this is the key. This is the key. <laughs> it's interesting. Because everyone's saying to be humble. It's right. But a lot of people don't understand the process. <laughs> So he begins with blessed are the poor in the spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He ends, he ends off with saying blessed are those who persecuted for righteousness sake. It means that you've been trained to walk and live like him. The Holy Spirit showed me that if you cannot operate in the first one, then the rest of them will not come. And it's 100% true. Because picture, picture it like this. If you're not humbling, humbling yourself before the Lord, then how can he actually teach you? How can he actually operate in you? So let's go deeper. Let's go. Now let's go to what brings everything into perspective. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 6. Now believe me, I hear so many people telling me, that you need to humble yourself before the Lord, right? How many people tell, tell me you need to humble yourself before the Lord? Or those who humble themselves will be exalted. But how does God actually do that in your life? If there's one question, or if there's clarity that I need from God, I want to know this. How does God actually humble me? So Deuteronomy chapter 8 from the Old Testament. Verse 1 to 6. So many believers today do not understand the process of how God actually humbles you. You ready? Let's, let's read it together. You'll bless you. <clears throat> so, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 to 6. Let's read it. Every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess of the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember 
that you, that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart. Now, are we getting the drift here? Are we starting to see now? And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his command or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So you begin to see how the Lord humbles you, or the test, or the trials, or the challenges, is to really get to your heart. Interesting, isn't it? Now you can understand the first beatitude a bit more better. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Look. Blessed are, the, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's the first doorway for you to enter the kingdom of heaven? For you to be tested, for you to be trialed, to see what's really inside your heart. Can I ask you this question? How can you see what's in your heart if God doesn't test you? Answer this question, please. If God allows tests and trials and challenges to come your way, then you really get to see what's in your heart, whether it's faith or unbelief, whether it's rebellion or obedience, whether it's faith or unbelief, you begin to see. You begin to see what's really in your heart. It's interesting, isn't it? You start to see through all the trials, whether truth is there or whether a lie is there. So through the trials, you get to see what you really believe. So the poor in spirit means that God allows you to go through tests, goes, allows you to go through trials, allows you to go through difficult circumstances to see what you really believe. You begin to understand how the Holy Spirit teaches. Put it this way. The Bible says, if you don't undergo discipline, you're not a legitimate son. God disciplines those he loves. Are you beginning to understand now? Are you beginning to see the greater picture? No discipline seems pleasant at that time, but it produces the seed of what? Righteousness. So when people say, Lord, do whatever you want in my life. Do you actually know what you're saying? Do you actually know what you're praying for? Because God allows you to go through challenges. 
It allows you to go through trials. It allows you to go through all these different things to see what you really believe. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. You see, the Lord done this. Every person is in this place. When I prayed this prayer, I knew what I was praying for. I knew what was to come. Iniquity surfaced. Unbelief surfaced. Lack of faith surfaced. Lack of commitment surfaced. Lack of love towards him surfaced. I knew what I was dealing with. I knew what was happening in my heart. And if there was one thing that blessed me in this journey, I had clarity of what God was doing. And I'm building momentum. The more I went higher and higher, the more my head became bowed down. Believe me. I say less now, so much, to hear his precious voice. There are so many people today, Lord, love me. Let your love come upon me. Do you know what's going to happen? <laughs> the body has to be prepared for this. I'm not interested in any other doctrine other than what the Holy Spirit sharing with me. I'm not interested in making you feel good. Believe me. This is the thing that we have to go through to mature and to build. I've been my tongue many times when I see people struggling and they have to go through it. And I encourage them fast, pray, meditate on God. I gave them all the tools and then I had to take my hand off them. It was the hardest thing because my faith cannot take them where God wants to take them. It's their personal journey. It's their personal walk. Look what it says here. The first beatitude, why so many people fail to enter the kingdom, is because they don't want to be disciplined. And someone may say to me, how do I, how do I know that I'm not wanting discipline from God? Complaining, murmuring. Why is this happening to me, Lord? But Lord, I'm praying and I'm focusing on you. Why am I still struggling? Why am I still sick? Why am I still mentally oppressed? Why am I emotionally unstable? That's what's really inside God allows certain situations to expose what's been there the whole time. And believe me, I went through every type of mental, emotional, and fleshly. And I continue to go through this. But the Holy Spirit is preparing your hearts for what's to come. Believe me, I'll have no other way. If there is something I glory in, I glory in my weakness because that's allowed me not to get off my knees. Listen, it's allowed me to get off, not off my knees, 
to be down, glued to his word, to be down, glued to his spirit, to be down, glued to examining my heart, examining my mind. St. Paul says, I boast, now I boast in my weakness so that God's power may rest on me. I understand. I understand. But you only understand it when you're in weakness because it's there. He has all your attention because what's happening inside you is maybe unbearable, maybe unpleasant. That's the time he gets your attention. Son, daughter, I have your attention now. Walk with me now. <laughs> I don't glory in the blessings. I glory in the process. And believe me, I only preach from experience. Well, we keep going. Let's keep going from Deuteronomy. I stay here. Now let's let's look at God. You read this now. Nothing's changed in the New Testament. Nothing's changed. You read the whole book of Hebrews. It's a whole book expressing how God disciplines you. Expressing to you how you fall short and how you enter his rest. The book of Hebrews explains all this. He tells you that bitterness can grow, choking the grace of God. Or he tells you that because you've learned his ways, you can enter his rest. Now, the wilderness is a learning, a learning program that you go through. Think about it like this. You praying for all the blessings, God's praying for you to establish in your ways. Because when you walk in his ways, believe me, you're satisfied. Let's keep reading Deuteronomy. I hope you're getting blessed by this because the Holy Spirit, he's teaching us. So many people say, humble yourself before the Lord. So many people tell me, you know, humble yourself. Okay, how? What am I supposed to pray? What's going to come as a result of that? What's going to come now? Things are going to surface. Sickness is sickness the issue? Being mentally sick or physically sick the issue? No, it's unbelief. God wants you to know that he healed you. He purchased you at the cross. Now he needs faith to work inside your heart. So the majority of people operating in the flesh, it's from the doorway of unbelief. It tells you in Hebrews that an, un, an evil, unbelieving heart departs from the living God. So many people operate from the doorway of unbelief. You know why? Because they haven't understood where God's going to come into. So when people go through struggles and trials and challenges, please pray for me. I can't bear what's happening inside of me. It's like my world came crashing down inside of me. Jesus doesn't want you to come out of it. He wants you to learn. 
He wants you to understand him. He wants you to adapt his ways. He wants to expose the unbelief or the doubt or the rebellion or the disobedience or the confusion or the fear. And so many people, they get a taste of it. And the first thing people pray, take this from me, Lord. This, this is from the devil. So let's look here. And you shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what's in your heart. So the first beatitude is the doorway for God to know what's in your heart. Are we seeing it now? Is everyone seeing this? Because this is massive. He's showing you that if I can't get into your heart, then I cannot mold you. If I cannot get into your heart, I can't expose the evil that is there or the unbelief that is there or the emotional influence that is there or the things of the world that is there. If I can't get into your heart, I can't show you what's living inside. So how does God get to your heart? He tests you. He, first, he humbles you. He tests you to know what was in your heart, if you would keep his commands or not. Now let's, go, let's keep going. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live on bread alone, but man by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you did your feet swell these 40 years you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son so the lord your god chastens you therefore you shall keep the commandments of the lord your god to walk in his ways and to fear him now look uh, look what it produces the chastening of the lord which every believer has to undergo it's to establish his ways in you and to fear, his, to fear him in reverence and godly fear. Are we seeing this? So what's the first key and the doorway for every believer to operate in God? Wilderness experience. Many people are in this place. Many people have seen what, what's happening inside of their spirit, whether it be doubt, whether it be confusion, whether it be rebellion, whether it be disobedience, whether it be unbelief, lack of commitment, uh, fear of the future, fear of failing, um, living in the flesh, you begin to see. All these things are appearing. So can I say something to you? Every person here, welcome this. Would anyone pray this now? Anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Pray. God will do it. And you have peace in this situation because you know it's God. Even though the enemy 
was working and was attached to certain things in this way. God will take hold of this. So you begin to understand why the Holy Spirit told me that, that this is the greatest beatitude and the first one. You know why? Because you get to see what's in your heart. Do you know what's in your heart? You only know what's in your heart when you go through the trials. You only know what's in your heart when you go through the challenges. You only know what's in your heart when you get a bad report, whether it be sickness, whether it be many things. But you only know what you believe when you're in the trial. It's true, right? How come it's not preached about this? Can I ask the question openly? Why isn't it preached if God works like this? You know why the body is struggling today? Because they're not prepared. You know how many believers are suffering today? Because they haven't understood God's deep wisdom. Do you know how many believers today are struggling? And they haven't understood the deep things of God's wisdom? I tell you the truth. It's very powerful. It's very powerful. Believe me. The Holy Spirit is preparing us. Can you see how the word of God comes alive? From Proverbs. From Proverbs to Matthew. Wisdom has built her house. What is the, what's the first principle of God's wisdom? I need to be disciplined by God. Wow. Wow. Isn't that interesting that Jesus first received the Holy Spirit, symbolic of the old passes away, the new comes, symbolic of receiving the love of God, symbolic of a new identity. Isn't that interesting that he immediately got sent into the wilderness to be tempted to see what's inside the devil, the devil, nothing to feed on. Jesus emptied himself. So many people struggle to fast. That's the first principle of humbling yourself before the Lord. Why? Look at it deeper. Is it just an act of faith? No, it's deeper. You can't pour new wine into old wineskin. It's deeper. God wants to purge. And he's given you certain things, tools, so you can cooperate with him. Isn't that interesting that people still contemplate with this? Still, People still contemplate about prayer. People still contemplate about reading his word. Isn't that interesting that fasting has to do with the old and the new wineskin? Isn't that interesting when it says, humble yourself before the Lord in due time and he shall exalt you? That word there roots from the Hebrew, where they sat down around sackcloth and ashes fasting. You know why? Because God does things you can't do. Remember, he shows you what's in your heart. 
He shows you. You cannot find out yourself. So when you go through trials and challenges, it can be a lack of character. It can be a demonic character. It can be, it can be a different mindset where strongholds exist, where oppression and bondage exist. So he lets them come to show you what's happening inside. And then he begins to build faith in you. How many people knew this is how God operates? And this is not to compare myself to anyone. How many people knew that this is what God needs to do in me? So many people are going through things where they haven't understood it's God. He is at work in you. I find that to be amazing. The final result of God chastening you to you shall keep his commands, to walk in his ways and to fear him. Look through every book, established, same principle. But a lot of people don't understand the test and the trials. Look, to humble you and test you, to know what's in your heart, that's massive for me. So when I prayed that prayer, I prepared my heart. And this was something so great for me. This is something that gave me so much clarity. To finally walk and to finally deal with all the things that the Holy Spirit wanted me to deal with. To finally be free from this. Hallelujah. So now you read the Beatitudes very differently. And seeing the multitude, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you go through all the testing, when you go through all the challenges, you're tested, you're purified, you come out as shining, as a piece of gold. Wherever you look, people see the image of God in you. Because you've destroyed the flesh. You've destroyed pride, ego, bitterness, resentment, envy, jealousy. You've destroyed it from the roots. You've destroyed it. How can you be defeated after that? How can you be defeated after that? Can anyone answer this question, please? How can you be defeated after that? You can't. Nothing can kill love. John the Beloved was telling you that nothing can kill love. You know why? Because it disciplines you. It disciplines you. Nothing can kill discipline because when you're disciplined, you like your master. Nothing. They've done everything they can to kill love, but they couldn't. You know why? Because it's the only thing that produces discipline. It's too powerful. We begin to say, was God showing favoritism to John the Beloved? Was he showing favoritism? He's no respecter of man. 
He's no respecter of man. He was showing you love, love disciplines. Then you're, you're, you walk in the image of Jesus. Hallelujah. So he begins with the kingdom, he ends with the kingdom. What's the end result of the kingdom? Persecuted for righteousness sake. You live in the righteousness of God. <laughs> so for the ones that are listening here that are rebelling, that are doing things their own way, I tell you in love, stop doing this. Because you're injuring your heart, you're hurting the Holy Spirit, and you're hurting the one who gave you life. Don't do this anymore. Don't live life the way you want anymore. Let Jesus come in and work inside those areas because believe me, there'll be no, there'll, there'll be no greater joy for you to operate in this place. I say this in love to every person here. Don't do it your way anymore. The Holy Spirit shows me what's happening in people's life. You know why? Because I know what God needs to work on. Some people, when they see me, they run away from me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Praise God. You know why? You know what I'm interested? I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit's interested. What's happening in your heart? So many people tell me, mate, you always make me uncomfortable when you speak to me. Um, can I say something to you in love? Because I know what the Holy Spirit needs to work on. And believe me, every day I'm in this area, focusing in this place. Me, myself. I'm focusing, so, so aware of what's happening in my own spirit. I, I refuse to look outside because there is so much inside of me that has to be... Uh, focused on and worked on inside of my spirit. So when I sit with people, the Holy Spirit speaks in such a deep way to see what's really happening and what's really operating in their spirit. So in the beginning, I found it challenging. As a believer, and I like to share this with you, I found it challenging. What does God need to discipline me? I understand now. I understand. But I was so challenged because all I knew, okay, God loves me. That's all he could give me at that time is love. Love and mercy. Love triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's all I can receive in the beginning. But I understood as I fed on his word, he took me deeper. I have to discipline you now because... I want to take out what's really inside of you. And believe me, everyone can be battling different. But it's the same process. But I just wanted to bless you to give you that revelation of John. He loved John the beloved the most because love disciplines. Mercy allows you to see the cross, but love disciplines you. Can you see the picture now? Can you see this picture that God is trying to build in you? You don't know what's in your spirit until you go through trials. You don't know what's inside 
and you have to go through challenges. You don't know what you're going through until things manifest. And it's true. It's so true. And I'll share something with you. In the beginning of my journey, I dealt with a deep rejection where I felt a lack of love or rejection, always rejected from when I was when I was younger to before Christ, then I then it happened in Christ. And and what was interesting is that people kept rejecting me early days of my journey. And that thing kept surfacing in my heart where I felt a lack of love because rejection has a lot to do with lack of love between me and God. And I started to not focus on the people that were causing me to feel rejected, but on my heart that's allowed me to operate in this way. I started to look deeply. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I feeling that I'm not good enough? Why am I feeling like I'm always the odd one out? And I started to see, okay, this is something that is deep inside of my heart. This is something that I've got to look inside of me. And I, I, I can tell you now that so many people in the body are operating in this way. So many people serving out of rejection. So many people are doing things out of rejection to try to fulfill that void or trying to heal that place in their heart. So many people are trying to get accepted by what they do for God or what they do for the body. And it's true. You're accepted by Jesus. The moment you receive him as your savior, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you must understand the process that follows. So you have to understand we do things out of rest. We do things out of peace. We do things out of the agape or the unconditional love of God. But I can't tell you how many things surfaced in my heart. When I sit down with believers that have been there for two, three years, they said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm doing good. I said, well, they haven't understood the mystery of God's wisdom yet. And they say to me, why are you so interested in what's happening in my heart? And I said, because that's the very thing that Satan fights over and the Holy Spirit fights. It's this area. The Holy Spirit's fighting for your heart to become like Christ and the devil is fighting for your heart to become hard, for your heart to become bitter, for your heart to become an unbelieving heart. There are two types of wisdom that are continuously in battle over you. And what does the devil do? He makes your heart go hard by what happens externally from the outside. He comes from the outside in. The Holy Spirit comes from the inside out. It's true. So when I understood how God operates, well, did my journey change? And I can't tell you now how I read the Bible, how different it is. You know now what it tells me? The, the gifts are good. The blessings are good. But working on my heart is greater. So someone may say, okay, 
So I want to work on my heart. Get to know yourself. Get to know what's coming out every day. Because you're halfway there if you get to see what the blockages are. You're halfway there when you get to see the flaws that you're standing on, whether there are cracks or whether a demonic wisdom or a fleshly thing operating in your life. You're halfway there. After that, that's when the cross comes alive, where you take those things to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. I'm delivered from this. I claim it now. I break those chains now. You're halfway there when you expose it. You're finished when you bring it to Jesus. That's the power of the cross. So the beginning of wisdom is to go through trials and challenges and circumstances in many ways and many forms. Then the second, the second principle is to get to know what's happening in your heart or what's surfacing. The third principle, take it to the cross. Claim deliverance, claim healing, claim restoration, and claim freedom. Get to know your own spirit. Get to know what's happening. What am I feeling every day? What's happening inside of my spirit every day? And someone may say, okay, but like, how do I really do that? I spent days and months alone. No internet, no phone. Days by myself. What's happening in my spirit? Why am I like this inside? I didn't call anyone. I didn't speak to anyone. Fellowship is important, but there comes a time between you and God. And I started to really see what was happening inside of me. And wow, is it so different now? Spending weeks and months alone for God to really embrace me and to, br and to bring to the surface of the things that I really have to identify. I'm speaking to so many people here and I'm telling you, if there's one thing that flesh doesn't like, it's to be disciplined. Believe me, I speak on my, I speak on my own behalf. There is one thing now I thank him for, it's discipline. Because certain things in my life couldn't lift off me until God put his hand on me. So to be weak, it's good. But to stay in your problems, it's worse. Where continuously they're surfacing. Maybe be once a month, maybe it be an everyday thing. But to continuously have these things coming against you and you're not understanding where they're coming from allows you to become dull of hearing. Where you don't want to hear anymore. That's what the Bible says. When you hear his voice, the Bible says, as the Holy Spirit says, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Harden your heart against what? He's not going to be speaking good things there. He's going to be disciplining you. He's going to tell you, now you cannot do this anymore. You cannot entertain pride anymore. You cannot entertain ego anymore. You cannot entertain evil against your brother or sister anymore or anyone in this world. It's not acceptable anymore. Doesn't matter what they do. Doesn't matter what happens. You cannot do this anymore. Why? You know why? Because 
I don't want to destroy my relationship with God. My relationship with God is too valuable. I don't want to wreck that relationship with him. So many people say, okay, you know, they love each other and look after each other and help each other. Amen. But I see something greater. Any obstacle that comes my way and my heart gets hardened, I'm destroying my relationship with God. And the Bible says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful, lest you fall. It can happen to anyone. So me as a believer, I've understood the deep things of God, heart. And a lot of people say, okay, humble yourself before the Lord, okay? Now you understand how he gets to your heart. So some, someone here that's listening can be, can be waiting for a daughter or a son to be healed. And God's really trying to get into your face. Interesting. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's have a look. Let's read this scripture. Bless your heart. So I, I remember I told you in the beginning of this preaching session, I want, I want his eyes to be on me every day. Do you want God to have his eyes on you every day? Does that mean you have to read every scripture and keep your mind busy? Is that what he's after? No. I read your scripture. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 to 2. Okay, ready? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 to 2. The doorway of you entering this journey in the Lord is for him to discipline you. Because if he doesn't discipline you, then you cannot see what's in your heart. I hope you understand how deep this is. Let's read it. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the resting, where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all these things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. He looks at you. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Hallelujah. You know how powerful that is? God looks at you. Looks at you. Embraces you every day. Making sure that you get fed. Making sure that you're understanding him making sure that you're maturing in him. Look what it says here. Where is the house that you build me? Your house is determined how you deal with discipline. If you keep your heart right 
and you undergo all these trials and challenges and you be firm in prayer, be firm in his word, be firm in examining your heart daily and being honest with the Lord and yourself, you'll grow, you'll flourish, you'll prosper. I want to be honest with the Lord. I can't tell you how many things have been exposed and continue to get exposed. But I'm so happy that his eyes are on me. I've understood the mystery of walking in faith. And I've understood what God is most interested with. A humble heart. A heart that accepts discipline. A heart that changes their way of life for God's truth. And I can't tell you how much my journey has changed and how I look and understand God now. It's so different. I'm telling you, it's so different. How I think towards God and how I walk with him now and how the spirit of God's been operating, it's so different. So look what it says here. Where is the house that you build me? And where is the place of my rest? He says, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit. You know why? Because God can mold you then. God can mold you. And the pot, as the potter's hand, he can mold you in his perfect image. I read a statement when I first got saved, and I never understood it. It says, for the Lord to use you greatly, you'll be tested dearly. And I said, well, what's going to happen after that? What's going to happen to me when I get tested and trial? And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? I'm only showing you what's really in your heart. What's really in your heart is showing you. It's nothing new. It didn't come from nothing. It's always been there. It's amazing. Look at that. Look at the end result of God's discipline. Tremble at his word. His word is your final authority. His word is your... His word is the lamp to your feet. Where there is no more backup plan, it's where the Holy Spirit dwells. Hallelujah. I have so much to share. And I've, uh, I have so much to share. But I don't know if I should keep going. Let's read another scripture. Let's, let's go to Isaiah 57, 15. Isaiah 57, verse 15. Now, you begin to understand now. I want God to be attracted to me in the way of the Spirit. I want God to put his attention towards me. I want him. And believe me, um, I see people listening to teachings, jumping from YouTube, 
getting all the knowledge and understanding they can, and they miss the mark. You know why? Because the Lord shows you what's in your heart. The Lord brings to your attention what needs to be dealt with. Don't you want to spend that time for him to expose those things that you get exposed? Don't you? Do you trust him to do this? Do you actually trust him to do this? Because if you did, you will wait on him and you will understand which place he has to deal with. So let's read it. <clears throat> Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the Lord, the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has the contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. You know what he does? He revives the one who is humble. You know what that means? He lifts you up. You will never stay in your situation when you humble yourself. You know why? Because when you're humbling yourself, you're changing your ways. When you're humbling yourself, you're adapting a demonic uh, wisdom to the wisdom of God. You're adapting the flesh to the spirit. Look, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. See the first beatitude? Why? Because God sees what's in your heart. He allows things to come your way. He allows things to surface. Believe me, there is, there is more things coming ahead. And don't have fear. Rejoice. Because God, for once and for all, is dealing with all those areas in your life. Rejoice. Be happy. Believe me. Because that's when you enjoy the Lord. That's when you enjoy your journey. You really enjoy it. It's not seasonal anymore. It's not coming and going. It's, it's a fountain. And believe me, from all these tests and trials that I went through, you know what was formed in me the most? A habit. Habit. Where continuously my spirit's praying. Continuously I'm thinking about the Lord. Continuously I'm thinking about bettering myself in the spirit. Habit. Where there is a habit, there is a doorway for God to continuously speak to you through his word, through praying in the spirit, through worship, throughout there doing his works. It's a continuous flow. God wants to build a habit. So look what it says here. I dwell in high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of a contrite one. You won't stay in your situation if you can begin to see what's really happening inside your heart. So what's the most important thing now? Get to know yourself when you're going through the trials. What's really surfacing? Pay attention. Because guess what happens? After you pass that test, you've learned his ways, you're established, God promotes you. Promotes you to the next chapter or to the next place of your journey. Okay.
All right. I'll keep going from the scripture, uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It tells you here to walk in his ways and to fear him. Is everyone with me? I don't know which verse that is. But it says, that you, so the Lord your God chastens you, therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flows out of the valleys and the hills. Okay? What's that mean? Let's, let's, let's see this little treasure. So you hear me continuously tell, telling you about all these treasures? They are treasures because it prepares you for you to walk with God. It says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flows out of valleys and hills. Now, you think about that. Okay, what does that mean for us in the New Testament? What does that mean for us in the New Testament? What is God trying to teach us? When you hear about him bringing you into a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs that flows out of the valleys and hills, let's go to Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. He said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You begin to see what he's trying to say to you. He's trying to say to you that the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs that flows out of valleys and hills. So the first step here is for you to understand that I must not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And his law, he meditates day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You begin to see here. Now let's read. You begin to see here that the first step for you to enter this place is to reject evil, is to reject sin, is to reject fleshly things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. You begin to see that God, for God to continuously water you, you have to sit by the stream of water meaning to avoid evil, avoid that path in your heart, in your mind, through the flesh. Now you read um, the verse after it, Deuteronomy 8.8. 8. It says, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Okay, you ready? The second step, his delight is in the law of the Lord day and night. You start to see here. Now, he shows you the three steps here. The first step here 
is the one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the God ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And how do you do that? How do you actually establish yourself to actually prepare your heart to operate in this way? We'll go to James quickly. James chapter 1. I'll close off with this. I feel like I'm not going to keep going. James chapter 1, verse 21. If you've got places to go, um, or if you have to go out somewhere, yeah, I can just stop if you want. <laughs> oh. oh, well. James chapter 1. Verse 21. This is from the Amplified Version. So you can just understand from where I'm reading. I like the Amplified Version um, because it gives us a greater depth of what he's trying to say. It says, so get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. You see Psalms? It says here, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, now, isn't it interesting that we all start as a seed, right? That grows up into a tree. Now it's showing you here why the seed from Luke chapter 8 gets entangled, choked, and and falls on hard and rocky ground is because here, James chapter 1, verse 21. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of weakness, and with a humble spirit receive the word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. Now the last statement brings attention to me, which is able to save your souls. Aren't we saved already? The moment that we receive Jesus Christ, aren't we saved? Why is he saying this for? Isn't that interesting? Why is he speaking like this for? You know why? Because you have free will to accept the word and to allow it to transform you and to overcome or for you to remain in the flesh and live in sin, which will cost your life. It will cost you salvation. Now, I'm sorry, because when I read the word of God, it's clear. It says here, be careful how, Tony, Pastor Tony said it last on Monday, be careful how you build. It's true. But greater than I'll, I'll speak more on top of that, it costs you salvation. Because for a person who's truly saved, he doesn't operate like this. The Bible tells you very clearly, the one who keeps on sinning, after he has received the knowledge of the truth, has trampled the Son of Man under his foot, and there is no more, there is no more room for sacrifice. Now, I don't want to speak too much about this, but I want to tell you here, the, the, the church world today, unfortunately, um, avoid these scriptures. Now, <clears throat> he's talking to a believer here. He's talking to a believer here that the word that is needed 
the wood that is needed is for you to get rid of uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness. You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Do you see now why God disciplines you? Do you see? So he can take these things away from you. Because God doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to get saved. So for the one, the Bible tells you very clearly, for the one who continues to operate in this way, unfortunately, it's a deep rebellion. It's a disobedience. It's a rejecting. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll prove it to you. I'll, I'll prove it from Revelation. Towards the end of Jesus' coming. Now, you know what shocked me? And I'll share this with you. I heard so many believers last week telling me, come Lord Jesus, come. Come and get your bride. Are you actually ready? Because if I'm going to speak on my own behalf, I'm not ready. I have so much that I want to do for the Lord. I have so much that needs to be worked on my heart. And believe me, I'm not saying this to act humble. I'm actually telling you the truth. I have so much that has to be worked on my heart. So much. I'm not ready for his coming. I haven't fulfilled what God wants me to operate and live in. So I spoke to you about James chapter 1, verse 21. Look what it says here. So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of weakness and with a humble spirit. So let's say you don't humble yourself and you wish not to be disciplined and you remain in your ways and you live disobedience, disobedient for the Lord. Believe me, to your last breath, God is merciful. To your last breath, God is patient. We know this, but now is the time to deal with these things. Now, you know the truth. You've heard the truth. So let's go. Let's go to Revelations chapter 21, verse 1. I believe the church world today, their doctrines are they're in error. And I'm not, not going to be a person that sits there and tries to knit and pick every single thing. I don't do that. But I want to tell you, as believers, as true sons and daughters of the living God, we have to get our doctrine right. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And again, I'm going to read it from the Amplified. You can read it from any version. It says what it says. So Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. And I'll close up with this and, and that's it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, vanished. And there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. Wait until I show you the revelation that I got about what it means to be arrayed as a bride. Who awaits for the husband who is Christ. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be death, 
there will, there will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain for the former old from, from the former order of things has passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Jesus is speaking here. Jesus is speaking. He who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, Write for these words are faithful and true. They are accurate, incorruptible, and trustworthy. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I will give water from the fountain of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes, now the condition, he who overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowards, now, now this is where it gets intense. I can't wait to show you what a coward means in the New Testament. Wow. But as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character, now he goes into the internal issue of the heart. Their character of Christ has not been formed. And personal integrity and practice all tolerate immorality. And murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practiced and teach false religion, and all the liars, now look at this one, and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist the truth. This is Jesus' second coming. This is when everything is ended. This is Jesus speaking judgment upon the whole world. Their part, will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is Jesus speaking. Am I the only one that looks at these things? Because so many people are fixated what Jesus done at the cross, but they're not fixated what's happening in their heart. It's true. Jesus gave you the right to be free. Jesus died for you, so the old passes away, the new comes. But the rest is your free will. The rest is your doing. Now, I'll show you two scriptures about idolatry. Idolater, sorry. This is Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Therefore put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So believe me, you have your whole life to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You have your whole life to work on these areas. You have the Spirit of God operating in you now. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. This is from the Amplified Version. Now, the practice of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, 
total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, righteous behavior, and other things like these. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, believe me. I don't know any other way to preach to you, but to tell you that we have the wisdom of God now. We have a loving Father that wants to deal with us in every level inside of our hearts. You may not feel all of them. You may feel none of them. But I'm telling you now, when Jesus comes back, he's interested in what you've done inside your heart. The good works, the preaching, the feeding the poor, doing all the things for the kingdom is good. But believe me, he's more interested how you cooperate with the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. It's true. Am I reading the same Bible as you? <laughs> Believe me, if Jesus was here, what would he be saying to you? I always wonder if Jesus was here, how would people receive him? I think the church would be the first ones to kill him. I think the church will be the first ones to kill Jesus. When I come back, will I find faith? That's what Jesus says. I think today, it's not a wake-up call. It's to understand what the Holy Spirit is interested in. Believe me. Everyone undergoes discipline. Everyone will go through this place. Why? To see what's in your heart. To see what you really treasure inside of your heart. To really see what's dominating in your heart. To really see what's, what you're drinking of every day. When I understood this wisdom, believe me, I focused in this area and that only. You see the book of Revelation? No one is judged when they are saved. They are judged towards the end of their journey. Read it. Someone last week came challenging me. And he said, I'm challenged because he said something that didn't fit, you know, the right way. And I said, can I ask you something? I said, not once were you challenged to find the truth in your heart to change. And now you're challenged to find something to trap me. I said, my friend, go examine your heart, please. Because one thing that you didn't understand, out of a warped mind and out of a heart, out of maybe pride or envy or jealousy, I don't know. He, he's stuck on a scripture where it can go either way. And I said, my friend, I've never seen you search as much as you ever searched to debunk me or to correct me, or to trap me. 
why don't you go search the truth like that to change your heart and be the person who God wants you to be? And the man, he, he didn't call me anymore. You know why? Truth is truth. Truth is truth. And believe me, think about it. If Jesus was here, what would he be saying? Believe me. Um, th this is the only place that I'm going to preach from. Yes, there is a time to be comforted, but it's in the truth. It's in the light. It's in his obedience. And if you're living out of ignorance, or if you're living out of pride, or if you're living out of the flesh, or living out of sin, well, I encourage you as a brother, turn away today. Turn away. Turn away. Because when you see the Lord, that's it. Every day, these, these thoughts come to me. And every day, the thoughts come to me. The, spirit, the, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. Every day, move all these things out of my path. Lord, let your eyes come on me. Lord, turn your attention to me. So I encourage you. It's probably a different preaching that you're hearing. But I'm telling you now, if you want to be along this journey with me, I'm telling you, it's going to get deeper and deeper. And I pray by God's grace that your heart remains right. I pray that you have the right attitude or the right soil in your heart to allow the word to fall, not on rocky ground. And for all the people that have been listening, I thank you. But believe me, there is nothing greater than speaking the truth. There is nothing greater because it's there where your journey begins. So the first beatitude, you found out the treasure of the first beatitude that God tests and humbles you to see what's really in your heart. And believe me, it's multi-layered. Many promotions come out of that place. But there you become a complete man, mature, lacking nothing. So, as a brother in the Lord, I love you, but I have to tell you the truth. And before I told you the truth, I told myself the truth. And I'm telling you now, God tests you and humbles you to see where your treasure is. Is it in his blessings? Is it in his gifting? Is it in the world? Or is it in Jesus? So I'm here for each one of you. Believe me. I'm always looking at this area of the believer's life and how they're actually growing. If there is some advice that I can give you, I think from today, a lot of your approaches and the way of faith is going to change because you're going to begin to see. Don't dig up something that's not coming. Whatever is surfacing in that area, deal with it. So bless you all. Love you all in the Lord Jesus Christ.
But believe me, I'm telling you the truth. What the Holy Spirit shares to me every week, I'm bringing it to you. And the only thing that's going to uphold us and take us to the place of where the Lord is, is his truth. So God bless you all. Thank you for listening. I know it's 9.40. Um, I can keep going. It's another 15 pages. This, this lockdown has been such a blessing for me. You know why? Because I got to feed on God. I got to feed on God like I never have. Thank God for my wife. She's been homeschooling the kids while I sit in my computer room studying. But I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit's speaking, not according to the pandemic, but according to your heart. If anything, this pandemic has exposed your unbelief in how much you trust Jesus. If anything. So God bless you all. Thanks for listening. But I pray one thing, that the word that the Lord is speaking, that you allow it to work on your heart. Please, don't murmur and complain. Don't think these messages are too hard. Believe me. The Holy Spirit is preparing our hearts. And I take my journey so serious in the Lord. And I pray by God's grace that everyone follows in this step to take their journey seriously and not to compromise anymore in the realm of the flesh. So God bless you all. And I hope that you know the heart that I have for each one of you. I know I'm not calling people every day. I've been locked away spending so much time in the Lord. So nothing in me has neglected you from every person here. I care for you as nothing's changed in my heart. I care for you more than you can understand. And I pray from today that you receive me, but also receive the word that the Lord's been speaking to you about. So God bless you all. For all the people on Facebook, for all the people that are watching, we pray together. You begin to understand something deep. We pray together. And if you're willing, each one of you today, when you pray for the wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, you know what it produces now. You become like Jesus, his character and his attributes. Praise God. Let's pray. Any battle you're going through, any battle you're going through, any struggle you're going through, you know that it's something deeper now. It's a heart issue. The circumstance, the, the struggle, the trial, the challenge is not the issue. The heart's the issue. And when you begin to look deeply at this, you begin to say, okay, why are these situations continuously coming? What in me is God trying to surface or purge? So I don't want to pray for anyone's situation to go. I want to pray that you find the root cause. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you, Father. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I worship you. I enter into your throne of grace, Father. 
by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, we enter to find mercy and hope in time of need. Father, in Jesus' name, by your great wisdom, Father, I pray you bestow upon every person here that we may know you more and more. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that you prepare our hearts for your great discipline that allows us to be molded in your name, molded in your image. I pray for every person here, Lord, that they may operate in this deep wisdom, that they may understand their heart and understand the things that you are surfacing and the things that you want to restore them from. Father, in Jesus' name, we worship you. We thank you for everything you've done, both seen and unseen. I pray for everyone, mentally, emotionally, and physically to be restored by your stripes and your wounds. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you allow them to understand your great plan that you have for each one here. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every person here. And I pray, Father, today, that we may taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you, Jesus, for you are good. Your love endures forever. And I pray, Lord Jesus, like a fountain of living water, you burst it in everyone today, that we may drink of you and be satisfied. Thank you, Father. I pray for every person here, that every plan of the enemy, every device of the enemy, every strategic attack of the enemy over their minds, their hearts, and their flesh, over their children, over their household, and every instrument that the devil would use in this time of isolation, Satan, I bind you, and I command you to leave them. For we are under the blood of the new covenant, and we overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I thank you, Jesus, from today, that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son that you love. Greater is the one who's in us than the one who's of the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to be healed, delivered and restored. Now, in Jesus' name, every believer that is in agreement with me in prayer, whatever we bind on earth, we bound in heaven. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that every chain of oppression mentally, emotionally, and physically be broken. Jesus' name. Now, Jesus' name be broken over every believer. Hallelujah. You have given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and by no means shall they ever harm us. In Jesus' name, we receive this unwavering faith by the Holy Spirit. And today, we declare that the old has passed away, the new has come. I pray for every person, Lord, that is feeling lonely, that is feeling isolated, that is feeling defeated. In the name of Jesus Christ, greater is the one who's in them than the one who's in the world. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living inside of them. Hallelujah. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you activate faith in them. I pray, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is their strength. That hope never puts them to shame because your love has been poured into their heart by the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, today 
that you prepare us for what's to come. And we thank you for this great work you do in the Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. Words can't express how much we love you. But we thank you. We give you a heart of gratitude for every season. And we thank you for what's to come. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we seal this prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you all. And I know this message has been, speak to a lot of people about how God humbles you. And thank you for listening. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit's working in such a deep way. Don't worry what's happening in the world. Worry what's happening in you. Jesus is not going to ask you, did you, did you preach about Corona? Or did you preach about the politicians? He's going to say, what did you do inside your heart? Amen. So thanks for listening. And like I said, please, I want you to understand, I haven't been avoiding anyone. I haven't been neglecting anyone. I haven't been entertaining anything about you in any wrong way. I just want you to understand my heart. So I'm available. Saturday, Saturday, um, I'm going to be available for three to four hours. Um, if you want to private message me, um, I'll be doing one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls. Uh, last week, last week, I can't see what the Holy Spirit done when we done one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls. Every person got fed by the Holy Spirit, got direction from the Holy Spirit, but most of all identified where they are in the Lord. The most important thing from all those meetings, we were able to identify what needs to be focused on. Identify the work or the area where they felt the Holy Spirit was working. So Saturday I'll be available for any person. Please don't be late. Um, on the Zoom calls, if, if you give me a time, you need to be on that time, please. So I'll be available from around, maybe around from 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock to around maybe 1, 1.30. So whoever, whoever um, got spoke last week, um, just give some new people um, a go and um, I'll be here for you. This is going to be a regular thing, and it was good because we put people in the right direction of how to grow and what to focus on. And I believe the teachings from Monday to Thursday have been doing this, but one-on-one -on -one has been good. Getting to know you is the most important thing for me. Getting to know you is build a relationship, build that bond. Um, I'm happy to do this because we're a family in Christ. And we've got to keep it this way. Amen. So bless you all. Um, does anyone have any questions regarding um, today's message? Any short questions? I know there's a lot to digest, but I'm happy with the way that it's going. Praise God. Well, no one's got any questions.
Chris, are we off Facebook? Ah, oh, thanks, Rick. So, so how many people understood the mystery of God's wisdom? It's interesting, eh? Connects with the New Testament so much. Okay. All righty. Any questions? Don't be afraid. I see, I see everyone looking anxiously. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, 